What is up, everybody, and welcome in to the newest episode of Entertainment Purposes Only. Huge slate on Saturday. I've been telling you about this week four slate since last week. is going to be a big one, going to be a fun one. We got six matchups of ranked versus ranked teams this Saturday, which is the most we've had in any Saturday since 2006. Again, going to be a great day on Saturday. Before we get started, thank you again to our good friends over at Arbitrage Racing Best stable in the digital horse racing game. If I've told you guys once at this point, I've told you a thousand times. If you still haven't checked them out, what are you waiting for? Over on Twitter, at Arbitrage Racing. No G on that Twitter handle. Arbitrage Racing. But go check them out. Great guys over there. Again, the best stable in the digital horse racing game. You won't find a better one out there. That's my guarantee. Before we get into the Saturday slate, one bit of breaking news I wanted to cover. So ever since this last round of conference realignment happened, everyone's big question has been, okay, so now what's going to happen after this season to Oregon State and Washington State, the two leftovers from the Pac-12? Everybody else from the Pac-12 next year is either going to be in the Big Ten or the Big 12. Oregon State, Washington State still sitting there. Nobody wants them. What's going to happen to them? Well, a little bit of news breaks on Wednesday that the Pac-12 and Mountain West are looking to merge and potentially play in a promotion relegation format. For those of you who don't know what promotion and relegation means, it's what the foreign soccer leagues do, where the best couple teams in the league get promoted up into the next league and the worst couple of teams in the league get relegated down into the league below them. It's really cool. I think I would love to see it happen here for the Pac-12 Mountain West. I don't know how feasible it is when these athletic programs, most of their budget depends on the football program. So I don't know if you could, you know, potentially have teams yo-yoing between a power five league and a group of five league each season. I don't know how that's going to work, but this could be the perfect way to test it out because Oregon State, Washington State doesn't appear they have many better options at this point. So I would love to see it if it goes well. Again, I'm not holding my breath on this, but if it goes well, it'd be really cool to see the other conferences do something similar. You can match up all the Power Fives with the G5, have the SEC with the Sun Belt, the ACC with the American, Big 12 with Conference USA, the Big 10 with the MAC. And I would love to see something like that. But again, as we've seen with pretty much every move made in the sport over the last few years, the only thing the people in charge care about is squeezing a few extra bucks out, so I don't see them being willing to risk being relegated down into a lower league. But at least it's looking like we might get to see it with the Pac-12 and Mountain West moving forward, so that'll be fun. All right, enough of that. On to this Saturday. Like I told you, six matchups, ranked versus ranked. Most we've had in a Saturday since 2006. Told you last week's episode, last week was Apple Picking Saturday. I hope you got your brownie points in then because there's no time for that this Saturday. It is from the time you wake up on Saturday till the time you go to bed on Saturday. It's about football. So what we're going to do, we're going to hit each of these big games. We're just going to take them chronologically. Best way I could decide how to do it. The first one, one of the best games of the day, Florida State at Clemson. That's not even one of our six ranked versus ranked matchups, guys. Clemson's not even ranked technically right now. So a game like this 
doesn't even go into that six ranked matchups I told you about. That's how good of a day this is. Florida State's favored by two and a half. Again, at Clemson. It's a noon game. Clemson has won 25 straight home conference games. It's the first time they're an underdog at home since 2016. Didn't look it up, but I'm pretty sure that was probably the Lamar Jackson-Louisville game when they went in there. Clemson won that one close. I got some good friends who are Clemson fans. I've been to my fair share of games there. I know enough about the vibe of their fan base. That crowd is going to be electric there. I don't care if it's a noon game. The crowd's going to be electric. The crowd is going to be desperate, and I mean that in a good way. The crowd's going to be desperate in a good way. Because for the last few weeks, what's everyone been saying about Clemson? Duke crushed them. They haven't looked good in their other games. This is a chance to erase all that. If Clemson wins this game, the Duke game, you just get a mulligan for it. It's okay. It happened, but we're, we've moved on. If Clemson loses this game, two losses in September, two conference losses in September, won't be good. Going to make for a lot of those quote-unquote meaningless games that everyone tries to tell me happens when a team's eliminated from playoff contention. The rest of their games become meaningless. We know better than that, but to some people out there, that's what they try to say. I hate it, but again, Clemson. Win this game, you still have everything in front of you. Lose this game, you're probably out of your own conference race. That's why the crowd and the team, by the way, don't know why I haven't mentioned that, is going to be desperate in a good way coming into this game. With that being said, I have no idea how it's going to play out. No matter what happens, it's a fascinating outcome. I wouldn't be surprised by any of the four results. Clemson in the blowout, Clemson close, Florida State in the blowout, Florida State close. Any of those things could happen. I'd be like, yeah, I see how that happened. Now, if both teams play the same level of game, Florida State's going to win. If both teams play about the same, Florida State's going to win. If both teams play their A game, Florida State wins. Both teams play their B game, Florida State wins. What's going to be interesting is if Clemson plays their B game, Florida State plays their C game, that's where they can muck it up, see what happens. And again, in an atmosphere like that, it's going to be easy for the road team to not be clicking. Going to be kind of sloppy for Florida State, potentially. Going to be fascinating to see. Can't wait to see what happens. Don't have a pick in that game, by the way. Because, like I just said, I could see anything happening. It'd be silly to pick that one. Also at noon, Auburn goes to College Station. Auburn versus Texas A&M. A&M's favored by seven and a half. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. If Texas A&M loses this game, I'm not sure Jimbo Fisher makes it back to the house before they fire him. Lane Kiffin famously got fired on a tarmac after a USC loss at the airport one time. They might just head out to midfield during the coach's handshake and put Jimbo out of his misery if they lose this one. I don't think Jimbo's going to lose this one. I think A&M's better team got the much better roster. Don't have a play on the spread with it being seven and a half, but I think A&M finds a way to not lose this game to Auburn. But if Auburn wins this game, they got Georgia coming into Jordan Hare next week. And that game gets a lot more interesting from all angles. 
if Auburn's undefeated going into that game after a win at A&M. So very interesting stuff happening. If Auburn wins that game, alas, I think A&M wins it. A lot of points, though. Stay tuned for a pick on that later. 3.30, SEC on CBS. Enjoy that because come next year, it's all Big Ten on CBS. A lot of these changes aren't good, I'm telling you, but we're enjoying this season while we still got it. Lane Kiffin already in his bag, trolling Saban. He just can't help it. He's always got to just needle him, prod him whenever he's playing Saban that week. In a presser earlier this week, Kiffin said the following quote, We've been against Kevin a number of times, worked with him at Alabama and against him at Auburn and LSU. There seems like there's been a change there. I don't know what happened after the Texas game, but our guys watching the TV copy and schematically in this last game certainly seems like T-Rob's now calling the defense. We played him before at South Carolina, so we're preparing accordingly for him calling the defense. He's done a really good job too, and they've got really good players. Lane Kiffin just publicly to the media suggested that Nick Saban switched defensive coordinators on his team and just didn't tell anybody. Again, maybe they saw something that told them that's happening. Maybe it's Lane just being Lane and trolling Saban. Who knows? Now, Saban, in his next media appearance, denied that. Said Kevin Steele's our defensive coordinator. Again, I don't know who's telling the truth here and who's not. Odds are it's just Kevin trying to get under his skin. Not even for a competitive advantage. Kevin just does this stuff for sport. That's why we like him. But here's the thing. There's nothing Lane Kiffin wants to accomplish more in his head coaching career than to beat Nick Saban head-to-head. And he smells blood in the water this year. He knows this is going to be his best chance to beat Saban. It might be his last chance to be, beat Saban. We don't know. Saban could hang it, hang it up after this year. He could retire. And also, his team's not very good this year, Saban. So... All that taken into account, Kevin's going to do everything he can in this one. This is going to be his Super Bowl, and we're going to see what happens. Alabama's offense stinks. We knew the quarterbacks were going to stink coming into this season. We did not know the offensive line was going to stink coming into this season. That was supposed to be their strength. They're supposed to say, okay, we don't have a quarterback, but we got a running quarterback, and our running game's just going to crush people. Hadn't happened. We'll see what happens. This is another one I don't have a pick in. Line's about seven for Alabama. I don't know. You know, I talked to my nephew, Mill, again. I told you about him last episode. You know, the baby who doesn't have any preconceived notions about any team because this is the first college football season he's been alive. I said, Mill, who's going to win the Ole Miss-Alabama game? He said, Ole Miss is going to win. What are you talking about? Have you watched those two teams play this season? I said, Mill, you can't just be saying that about Alabama, man. They've won six of the last 14 national titles. They got the greatest coach of all time. He said, greatest coach of all time? You mean that short little old guy who looks confused all the time when they show him on the TV? I said, Mill, you can't just say that about Nick Saban. Man, he, like, we're in public. People can hear you. Like, the man's the best to ever do it. He's like, I haven't seen it. 
I haven't seen it. I saw them lose the only game where they were playing a team that deserved to be on the same field as them. And then I saw them go to a team that doesn't deserve to be on the same field as them. And they were tied three to three at halftime. That's what I've seen from that team. The kid ain't wrong. The kid ain't wrong. So what do we do here? Do we say, well, we've seen Bama with their back against the wall so many times. They always scratch and claw, fight their way out of it. They'll be fine. Or do we say this 2023 team, which is the only Alabama team that's going to be on the field this week, they just don't have it. I don't know. That's why the Saturday is so fascinating. We're going to find out so much about so many teams. Also at 3.30, everybody's favorite team, the Colorado Buffaloes, travel to Autzen Stadium to face the Oregon Ducks. Water break. Oregon's going to win this game big. Colorado doesn't have Travis Hunter, who's somehow both their best offensive and defensive player. They just don't have the horses that Oregon does. They've got the pieces. Colorado has the pieces, but they don't have the foundation. They have the team built from the outside in. They don't have the team built from the inside out, and that's going to come back to bite them against Oregon. The line's 20 and a half to 21. I'll have a pick on it later, but like I said, Duck's big. Listen to me. I said I think Oregon's going to win this game big. They should. Whatever happens in this game, I don't care if Oregon wins by 90, does not take away from what Colorado's done these first few weeks because I can see it now. Oregon's going to blow them out on Saturday. Then everyone's going to start taking their victory laps, stepping on Dion. No, I told you they were overrated. Guys, again, their Vegas odds makers set their win total at three and a half this year. They're three and zero right now. This team is not overrated. If you say that, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. On the Oregon side. This is one of the good things about college football. We see these kids come in as 18-year-olds and sometimes these days leave as 25-year-olds. And How differently do we think of Bo Nix as an Oregon quarterback versus Bo Nix as an Auburn quarterback? It's pretty interesting, right? Because when I think of Bo Nix as an Auburn quarterback, he was a screw-up. Use that O-word overrated for him with his recruiting ranking. He was his five-star some said he was living off the name of his daddy, who was an Auburn player. And, you know, he went out there. Yeah, he he could complete some passes. He could run around a little bit, extend some plays. But he'd always have the bad turnovers. He just wasn't very good at Auburn. Go to Oregon last year, and he's looked like everything he was advertised to be as a recruit. He's calm. He's poised. He's accurate. He's leading them up and down the field with his arms and his legs. He's just turned into a really good player. Like when I think of Oregon Bo Nix, he's like four inches taller in my mind than Auburn Bo Nix. That's just no disrespect to our short kings out there, but I mean, that's the kind of change he's made since he's been at Oregon. 
how people think of him differently. This is a showcase game for him too, because everyone's going to be watching because apparently everybody watches every Colorado game. If you saw those viewership numbers for the Colorado state game, as also for those of you who are like, why do you talk about Colorado so much? Yeah. Everybody cares about Colorado right now. Also at three 30 UCLA at Utah. Guys, I got a secret for you here. I'm recording this on Thursday. I tried to record it on Wednesday. I recorded the whole episode twice on Wednesday. The first time I realized at the end of it, I forgot to flip this little switch on my microphone here to on. So that wasn't great. So I did that to record the show a second time. And the second time I forgot to press record on the camera. So this is my third time doing this now. So I've gotten a good bit of practice at saying this stuff now. So I hope this is a good episode because if not, you know, maybe this isn't for me. But anyway, last night when I was recording this, Utah was a four and a half point favorite. And my take on it was, I think the odds makers are splitting the difference on Cam Rising here. I think if they knew he was playing, they'd be a touchdown favorite. If they knew he wasn't playing, it'd be down to like a one-point spread. And since they don't seem to know, they just put it right in the middle. Well, right now, Utah's minus six. I'm confident Cam Rising's playing. And Cam Rising is really good, for those of you who don't know. The two-time reigning Pac-12 champion quarterback, by the way, Cam Rising. If he's back, Utah's a different team, and Utah is going to be really tough to stop. I got Utah to win and cover, and don't sleep on Dante Moore, though. He's the UCLA quarterback. He's going to be very good. I mean, that guy was built in a lab to be a Chip Kelly quarterback. So UCLA's in good hands, but you know, give me the guy with all the experience and the hardware. Cam Rising, Utah wins that one. Those last three games, Ole Miss, Alabama, Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, Utah, like I said, they're all at 330, guys. Like, if you're just rocking one TV, do something about that. We need multiple screens this time. YouTube TV, please give us the option to choose the games we want in multi-view. Like, multi-view is awesome, but let us pick what we want or at least have a CBS, Fox, ABC three-way option in the 3.30 slate this week. Please. The people want it. Night slate, 7 o'clock, Oregon State, minus 3 at Washington State. The two leftovers from the Pac-12 I was telling you about earlier. Interesting quarterback matchup, DJ Uyunglele versus Cam Ward. Um, I think Jake Dickert of Washington State is a very good coach. He's no Jonathan Smith. I think Oregon State finds a way to go in there and get that win. Not touching the spread with it going all the way to three, but I think Oregon State's going to find a way to just will their way to win that one. Iowa at Penn State. Penn State's favored by 14 and a half, 730 kickoff. It's a wideout. Always fun to see Penn State do the wideout. That stadium is a spectacle. It's always rowdy. Can Iowa score? This is the question. Can Iowa score points? I don't know. 
nobody's confident they can. I can tell you that much. We haven't talked about it on the show, but one of the funniest storylines this year is Brian Ferentz, offensive coordinator at Iowa. Got that job with a capital N, nepotism, by the way. Brian Ferentz, same last name as the head coach, Kirk Ferentz. He's been awful. The offense has been awful since he took over there at Iowa. And he's got – this is the last year on his contract. So last year, Daddy Kirk said – I'm not going to fire my son from being the offensive coordinator. Here's what we can do. We'll put a clause on there that says, if the offense averages 25 points a game this year, we'll bring it back. If the offense doesn't average 25 points a game this year, we won't renew his contract. So now that obviously got leaked to the media like everything does. So everybody's having fun tracking Iowa's points this year to see if Kirk's going to have to not renew the contract of his son as offensive coordinator. By the way, they're not on pace to get there. Funniest thing's going to be when Iowa wins the West and that adds another game in there that he's got to average 25 points for and it's against Michigan or Ohio State and that ruins his average and winning the division ends up costing the man his job. That's kind of stuff you don't get in the NFL, folks. That's why college football is just the best. On the Penn State side, this is going to tell us a lot about Penn State, in my opinion. If Penn State comes out here, they're sloppy, they're goofing around, they end up winning the game by like four points, I don't think they've taken that step they were looking to take this year. If they come out and just pound Iowa, you know, 27-3, 31-10, something like that, they got a chance they can level up this year like they were wanting to into that Michigan-Ohio State tier. And it's going to be really fun to see those three play each other later on. But this is going to tell us a lot about Penn State. Little note on Penn State. They are 9-0-1 in their last 10 games against the spread. Back on the very first episode of this show, I told you, some coaches coach to the point spread. Seems like James Franklin is one of those guys. It was actually because... James Franklin tried to score a touchdown late in that week one game against West Virginia. We even had that conversation. But, yeah, 9-0-1 against the spread. James Franklin, he coaches to the point spread. Always good to know. Ohio State, three-point favorites at Notre Dame. You're not even a college football fan. You're going to tune in for this one because it's Ohio State and Notre Dame. It's good stuff. These two played last season. It was a snooze fest. This game's going to be much more entertaining. I think it was 21-10 Ohio State. They got up, just sort of ran the clock out. Marcus Freeman in week one of his first season as the Notre Dame coach was fine, just not getting embarrassed. This time, it's not going to be like that. It's a fascinating matchup because on the Notre Dame side, you've got Sam Hartman, who's a great quarterback, with – Mediocre pass-catching weapons. And on the other side, you got Kyle McCord, who's a mediocre quarterback with lethal pass-catching weapons. So which side would you rather be on? I don't know. Both defenses have also been sneaky good this season. Travion Henderson, Ohio State running back, big-time five-star recruit, battled injuries. He's in his junior year now. He looks to be fully healthy. He's much better. He's looking like the Travion that we all expected for the last three years. 
Audric Estime, also having a great year for Notre Dame at running back. Awesome name, too. Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. feel like I heard Harry and Ron when they're out there fighting the spiders in Chamber of Secrets. They're pointing their wands and saying, Audric Estime. That's what it sounds like. We'll do a Harry Potter episode in the offseason. But focus up. So, with Ohio State being a three-point favorite, I think Notre Dame stays within there, gets it done. Don't know if they win the game, but I like them getting three points. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think this game's actually going to live up to those two names of Ohio State and Notre Dame. And by the time that one's over, you're at 11 o'clock p.m. I just took you from noon to midnight, basically, with what we're going to be watching on Saturday. I told you guys, I mean, I told you guys over a week ago, this is the Saturday we're pointing to. This Every decision in your life should have been leading up to this Saturday to where you don't have to do a thing besides sit on the couch and watch these games. With that being said, we got 19 picks this week. 19. Boise State, San Diego State. That's a Friday night game. We got the under 45 and a half. Boise State the last few years, guys, pretty much since Brian Harson left to go to Auburn. If you've been paying attention, they're not the same old Boise State. They're not running trick plays and fake punts and lighting up the scoreboard. They play an ugly brand of football. They're trying to win 17 to 13 instead of 52 to 25. Under 45 and a half, Boise State, San Diego State, Friday night. Auburn, Texas A&M, I told you already, points. It's only 52 and a half. We're taking that over, over 52 and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if both teams get into the 30s. Feel good about that one. I already told you, Ducks big over Colorado. We're on Oregon, minus 20 and a half. And I'll go ahead and tell you, a lot of these plays is going to feel like a bit of a square card. But again, we're trusting the process here. A lot of these plays are insert team name minus a number of points. We're on a lot of favorites this week. Scares me, but got to just roll with the picks. Utah, minus six. I told you, I'm confident now Cam Rising is playing. So that's what we're taking. Ohio, Ohio, Ohio. I've been telling you guys, they're really, really, really good. When I made this pick earlier in the week, we got it at minus 10. So that's what I'm giving it out as. Right now, it's already up to 13. So we were on the right side of that one. But Ohio minus 10 is the play. If you just watched the first episode of Entertainment Purposes Only, Entertainment Purposes Only, let me say that again. You probably thought this was going to be a JT Daniels show every week. I think I had two or three JT Daniels drops in there that I didn't plan on. They just sort of happened. But that Rice offense, they're cooking. South Florida, close one with Bama last week. They're feeling good about themselves. They don't even know. Them Rice Owls coming into South Florida. Going to put it on them. We're on Rice minus two and a half. Tennessee was embarrassed last week by Florida. I think they're going to right the ship. I have a minus 20. I just, 
they're playing UTSA like in Neyland. Eh. If they don't win by three touchdowns, I'm going to be very surprised. It's a four o'clock game. Could be sort of lazy atmosphere, but the team won't be lazy after what happened to them in the swamp last week. So Tennessee minus 20. South Alabama, one of those other group of five darlings we have. I'm tell- We're riding them again. They're at home versus Central Michigan. They're favored by 15. We're laying all of them. South Alabama minus 15. Again, you beat Oklahoma State by 20-something. I'll take you at home next week against Central Michigan. Could be a letdown. I don't think so. I just think this team's really good. So we're riding South Alabama until they make a stop at this point. Liberty. Minus 10 and a half. They're at Florida International. Again, Jamie Chadwell goes from Coastal Carolina to Liberty to take over for Hugh Freeze, who left for Auburn. Liberty should win this game by 17. I don't know why it's only 10 and a half. So we're on Liberty minus 10 and a half. LSU minus 18. They're hosting Arkansas. Again, Talks about the kind of slate we have this week that LSU-Arkansas didn't even make the game breakdowns. LSU minus 18, they found their footing. They know with their loss to Florida State, they can't afford to slip up again. Arkansas is in free fall right now. Blew two double-digit deficits to BYU in the second half. Eesh. Now they're going to Death Valley. No, 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 no. LSU big. Two ships passing in the night. Those programs right now. Southern Miss, minus six on the road. Ben, who who could they possibly be playing for you to be taking them minus six on the road? That sounds silly. They're playing Arkansas State. And in this house, we fade the Red Wolves until they make a stop, but they haven't yet. Southern Miss, minus six. Missouri, minus seven. They're at home versus Memphis. This could go one of two ways. They could either have the big letdown after their big win against Kansas State last week, or they can ride that momentum, carry it into conference play. That's what the coaching staff's going to be preaching. I like the coach there. I think they're going to come out ready to play. They beat Memphis by double digits. It's only minus seven. We're taking it. Appalachian State at Wyoming. Going to be very windy. We're taking the under. App State, we took an under in one of their games earlier this year against North Carolina. That was in our bad week where it was the right play, but it didn't win because the thing went to double overtime. Can't do anything about that. We're taking the under 43 here. If we get beat by overtime again, so be it. But I don't think that total is going to get close to that in regulation. Notre Dame, plus three, hosting Ohio State. I just, you know, catching points at home with a much better quarterback. It's simple as that. Nothing else to really say about it. UL Lafayette, or just UL now, just Louisiana they like to be called. Hosting the Buffalo Bulls. The Buffalo Bulls are horrible. 
It's a single-digit spread. It's only minus 9.5. We only have to win that game by 10 to cover. We're doing it. Buffalo Bulls, better watch out, or they'll get on that Arkansas State Red Bulls fade list. We'll just have to see. All right, so here's another one, guys. When I took this play, it's UCF at Kansas State, by the way. The total was 57. We took the under. A lot of rumors coming out now that both starting quarterbacks will be out. So it's down to 52 and a half now. I still like the under there. But, hey, we got it at 57. I'm not going to apologize for that. UCF, K-State, under 57. Guys, this is week four. We are about to give out our fourth pick on North Carolina. They're two and one for us so far. The only one that lost was that under to Appalachian State. So we should be three and zero in their games. But North Carolina, they're on the road, sure. But they're only favored by eight against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh this year is terrible. They lost to Cincinnati. They lost to West Virginia, two teams that themselves are not any good. They both beat Pittsburgh somewhat handily, and now you're giving me the second-best quarterback in the country and Drake May going in there, only catching eight points. No, 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 no. Tar Heels. Trojans, minus 34. They're playing at Arizona State, guys. I think USC has this this thing covered by halftime, and Arizona State is so putrid. I don't even think when Lincoln Riley calls off the dogs, they'll be able to score to close the gap any. USC, minus 34, one of my favorite plays of the day. And we're closing it out here with, what did Nephew Mill tell you last episode? Washington's been playing the best in the country. Yeah, we're taking Washington. Minus 21 at home against Cal. It's a disrespectful line for the way Washington is playing right now. Be very surprised if they don't win this thing by 24 plus. It's only 21. We're on the Huskies. So, that's where we stand. Gave you a breakdown of all the big games this week. Gave you 19 plays against the spread. Follow us on Twitter at EPOCFB. We'll be keeping up with all the action there on Saturday. Be live tweeting some stuff keeping you up to date on our picks record. See you next time, guys. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure between now and Saturday, you have your schedule cleared all day. This is my last warning for you on that. See you.